If we don't scare you, no podcast will. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, welcome back for episode two of our best Disney villains bracket. Yep, I'm really excited, Chris. I think last week's episode or two weeks ago went very well. We got quite the final four that we're going to have to get through. Honestly, I'm like pretty okay with all of these final four villains. Yeah, I think that it's a pretty solid representation of of what Disney can really do when it comes to their villains. So before we talk about that, let's of course start off with our spoonful of sugar. What are you drinking this morning, Kyle? Well, uh, as Chris alluded to, it's fairly early here on the West Coast. We're doing a nice little early before baseball games recording. And uh, I've got myself a little coffee uh, with just a splash of rum. Um, it's uh, in the coffee is actually from uh, Disneyland. We bought one of those Mickey hipster Mickey coffee packs. Um, it's kind of whatever. Um, it's served in a Sleepy Dalmatians mug, and I don't really have a name for it as I tend to not for the show. But it's very Disney, and it, we're gonna just go with it. Well, I am back with another Qui-Gon gin and tonic today, trying to keep it nice and light. And you know what? I feel really bad because I feel like all of my drinks are like super boring all the time, but I promise they will get more interesting after my beach vacation to Tampa over the 4th of July. I will start like upping the caloric value of all of my drinks (laughs) and they will be a little bit more creative. And I promise to start coming up with names before I uh, announce these drinks and the spoonful sugar segment will all around be a lot better all right chris did we receive any uh feedback comments or questions in the in the past week well unfortunately our email inbox remains empty and gathering cobwebs i'm begging you guys please email us with like long in-depth takes on the things we're talking about that's all i want but still no one emails us but i did get a text message from kadeem and it was in response to the heroes bracket. All and right. Kadeem said, glad that Mulan was the winner. Definitely the right choice. There's always something extra special about a character that is not destined to save the world, but basically does anyways. I mean, yeah, that's a very good point. It's a very good point. I think a lot of the feedback just in person that I got from people were that they were very excited that Mulan one and that Hercules lost because they felt like Mulan was the true hero in that entire bracket. Well, Kyle, speaking of Hercules, we had uh, some rumors floating around the interwebs earlier this week, and we got tagged in a tweet um, by Barbara and Stob, and it was a tweet from a really random account. I think the account only had a few tweets on it, so completely unverified, saying that Disney was set to announce a live-action Hercules at the upcoming D23. 
And I also saw something floating around on Facebook about it too. And both of these posts had different people rumored to be in the starring roles. Right, right. So if you, even if you just search on Twitter, um, live action Hercules, there's a, a few photos like Chris Pratt as Hercules and Jeff Goldblum as Hades and Anna Kendrick as Meg. There's another one where Chris Evans is possibly Hercules. There's there's all kinds of stuff. What do you, what do you make of this, Chris? And what are your thoughts about this live action trend that Disney has got going on? Well, as far as the casting for this particular movie goes, I really don't care, to be honest. Um, I just saw the Aladdin movie, and it was a, an actor that I don't know as Aladdin, and an actor that I know extremely well as the genie. Um, and believe it or not, I was not distracted at all by Will Smith's performance as hmm. the genie, which was something I was extremely worried about. Right. Um, but Will Smith was able to deliver this character in a way that was so him, but also felt so in character and it was definitely a unique performance it was very different from robin williams performance uh, and i enjoyed every minute of it it was great um and then on the other hand i had this actor that i don't know playing aladdin and he was fine he wasn't terrible but he wasn't really jumping off the screen at me either right um so when it comes to casting these movies i i really think you could go either way. You could pick someone that's very recognizable and that'll be cool. Or you could pick someone that's completely unknown. And I'm sure that'll be cool too. I had no idea who Lily James was when I went and saw the Cinderella remake. And Mm -hmm. now I can confidently say Lily James is my number one celeb crush of all time. (laughs) Uh, And, and she's a great actress too. I've enjoyed everything she's been in since then. So I think you could make an argument for using very recognizable people as well as just people that seem to be plucked out of obscurity. Um, as far as like the idea of live action remakes in general, I saw a great tweet once the Aladdin review embargo was lifted by Dave Chen from Slash Film, among other places and he said that the live actions are starting to come off like youtube tribute videos where like it's it's got an extremely high budget and it's something that you just kind of are like mindlessly watching while munching on some popcorn not really looking to take anything away from it just kind of looking for something fun to see on screen that you already know is going to be good Um, And I think that's a really good take. I think that that doesn't discount them from being good movies. I certainly enjoyed all of the ones that I've seen up until Aladdin, uh, but I did not like Aladdin at all. It was a Guy Ritchie film, and Guy Ritchie's paws were all over this movie. Uh, His weird editing style was present throughout, and I just didn't think that it gelled with Disney's Aladdin and the entire movie felt kind of bloated and just it it felt like it was taking away from a lot of the stories and a lot of the characters that make the movie great and that make all of these Disney movies great so um 
I'm not entirely against live action remakes. I'm not entirely for live action remakes, but I am for kind of preserving the original story as it was told. And this Aladdin movie did not do that, uh, which was surprising to me because across the board, I've kind of liked most of the live action remakes that I've seen. I don't know if you have the same reaction to those movies. Yeah, I think for the most part, I've enjoyed every single one. Um, I haven't seen Aladdin. I haven't seen Dumbo. But I think the Cinderella remake is probably the best of them all. Um, I thought that one was extremely well done and, and very entertaining and and added something slightly new to the story. It just kind of went a little bit more in depth into Cinderella's character. But I don't have a problem with it. People are up in arms about it, um, about Disney making these live-action movies. And, I mean... They they still all go see them, and Disney's making that money. And I think I'm okay with giving my money for a bit of nostalgia. I'm really excited to go see this Lion King movie, uh, mostly because of the cast. The cast looks incredible, but I don't have a problem with that at all. And in fact, I go and see every single one. And whether I like it or not, I usually come out enjoying the experience and, and enjoying these songs and sung by new people and these roles played by new people. And uh, yeah, I don't have a single problem with it, to be honest. I think as long as you approach the movie, knowing that it's not going to be as good as the original, I think you're in a much better mindset to watch it. Yeah. Managing Um, your expectations is always, always key when going into one of these movies. Yeah. Like obviously you have been watching Aladdin for 20 years, 30 years, whatever you're not going to walk into a movie theater and see a movie and be like just as in love with it as you are this movie that you've known forever. Exactly. Exactly. How was, uh, how was Jafar's character in the live action? Probably the worst part of the movie was Jafar. And I mentioned this in our villains bracket, uh, round one. I love the design of Jafar. I love his attitude, love the, love his speech delivery. And this actor who played him, really toned it down a lot Hmm. and he just was very plain looking and boring and he just kind of seemed like a guy and the worst part about it though was that they made Iago this parrot that was like a real parrot right and a lot of the best moments uh, especially Jafar moments from the original Aladdin are like those banter moments between Jafar and Iago and this live action parrot was it was like a real parrot Jafar would say something and it would be like street rat (laughs) like it wasn't even funny it was so stupid so they just completely they just completely removed a great character from the movie so that was extremely frustrating um, and did not like Jafar yeah, well, you know what um, won't be super frustrating, hopefully, is this Final Four bracket. Hopefully. We've got two incredible matchups that we should get into, and uh, we should find our best Disney villain today. Let's go ahead and start on the left side of the bracket. We've got Cruella DeVille versus Judge Claude Frollo. This is an 8 versus a 13 seed. We talked in detail about Frollo last episode and I can definitely say that 
after all is said and done with this bracket, I have an entirely new appreciation for Frollo and for the Hunchback of Notre Dame in general. He is such a delightfully evil villain, but I think I am going to give it to Cruella DeVille here because the name of the bracket is not best villain, it's best Disney villain. And when I think about Disney, I think about characters with really great design, characters that really represent good and evil, but in like a childish kind of way, not in like a God and the devil kind of way. (laughs) So while I think that Judge Frollo is great, I think if we're talking about like very simplified movies that people of all ages can understand, I think I'm going with Cruella. And and that's also not even to mention the fact that Judge Frollo is hardly ever grouped in with all of the other villains when you're talking about all of that villains marketing material and, and that kind of stuff. He's just kind of a plain looking guy. And we're watching these cartoons and they're supposed to be a little bit fantastical and Judge Frollo is just just kind of looks like a normal guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um here's here's the thing about that though is that just because Disney in the 90s didn't quite know how to market Claude Frollo, I don't think should discount him as a best Disney villain. I think that he he and Cruella had very similar motives in that they wanted to <laughs> eliminate populations for their own gain. But what really puts Frollo ahead of Cruella for me is the way that he's able to manipulate people. Um, he's able to keep Quasimodo locked up in this tower for his entire life and make him think that this is just the way things are and that the people below don't want to see him and that he has a job to do up there and that uh, Frollo is doing everything in Quasimodo's best interests and that human element of manipulation and and deception is what really puts Frollo above Cruella for me. Cruella is just like, she, she has a couple of bumbling henchmen that she sends out to go kidnap uh, pets to make coats out of, which, yes, is absolutely horrible. And I wish everyone could see the screen that I'm looking at right now because it's Chris wearing a massive fur coat. And I think that's absolutely hilarious. But um, she has these, like, really bad henchmen who are supposed to steal puppies and, and help turn them into coats. And that I think the, the skill and villainy that involved with Frollo is what really puts him above Cruella for me. Um, so I might stick to my guns here with Frollo, but uh, but let's talk this out a little bit. Cruella, you you say that she's the more of a quintessential Disney villain, but I mean, in the next bracket, we have Ursula and Scar, who are also quintessential Disney villains. So, like, what? Why should we discount Frollo? When I think about best something, I think about closing my eyes and thinking about what represents this type of character the best and if you're s- sitting in a dark room and you and someone says 
best Disney villain, you close your eyes as Judge Frollo, the first thing you see that pops into your mind? Probably not. I think I agree with everything that you're saying. I think Frollo is a more hands-on dude, and I I definitely like that about him. I I think that he is the better quote-unquote villain if we're talking about fiction um, or real life, whatever, but... We're talking about Disney here, and I, I just feel weird advancing a guy whose primary objective is genocide. Like, yes, that's definitely the more scary outcome for his villainy, but this is Disney. This is not Universal Pictures or something. Right. Yeah. This is Disney, and I think that I think that it's just a little bit intense. And I think it goes over the heads of younger viewers. I think they don't really, they can't really grasp the full gravity of Judge Frollo's villainy. And it doesn't take someone older than like three or four years old to understand why Cruella DeVille's bad. And this is the reason why I like Disney is because it's simple and it's easy to understand and easy to digest. And I think Cruella DeVille is a good representation of that just scary shrill woman who wants to kidnap some puppies and skin them okay i think after kind of listening to this argument i am starting to agree with cruella as a best disney villain i think that if this if we wiped disney from the name and we just did best villain that frollo would probably win this entire thing but you're right i mean Cruella's character is easily digestible. I mean, she everyone knows her to be scary, to be uh, kind of off-putting. People in the movie of Hunchback to Notre Dame trust Frollo as like their leader, and even if they don't like him, it's more of about the politics than it is who he is. But we as the viewer get to know who he is and what his main objectives are. Um, in 101 Dalmatians and... In the song Cruella de Vil, the lines are, if she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. To see her is to take a sudden chill. Uh, the curl of her lips, the ice in her stare, all innocent children had better beware. She's like a spider waiting for the kill. Like, people know that Cruella is this uh, evil being within their society, and, and people don't like her, and they, for the most part, know what she's doing, it sounds like. <laughs> I mean... They know she's inhuman and she's they compare her to a vampire. Um, and like you said, like as much as I don't like the argument that she's the better Disney villain because Disney knew how to market her better because her character is so much more digestible, I think that's just part of it. That's just part of being a better Disney villain is can you look at her and be like, yep, that's an evil person. If we put Frollo in a lineup of other Disney characters, he'd probably just be another background character. So, Chris, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna back off my my Judge Frollo and I'm gonna wait for another day to die on that hill, but I think that we're gonna have to advance Cruella Deville, especially because her last name is Devil. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I really wanna give credit where credit's due and I think you are right. If this is best movie villain, I think Frollo wins here. But if it's best Disney villain, it's just like I said, it feels like 
it's got to be Cruella. All right, let's move on to the other side of the bracket. We have Ursula, who came in as the two seed, versus Scar from The Lion King, who came in as a six seed. Now, this one's this one's tough because growing up, these are probably the two movies that I watched the most. I was born kind of right in the middle of both releases. Sorry if that makes anyone feel very old who's listening to this. Initially, I'm leaning right towards Scar. I mean, like this, but this is also where this whole like Disney villain thing might come into play because Ursula is on every marketing material for Disney when they talk about villains. Scar is on quite a few, but Ursula, when I think Disney villains, like immediately I'm thinking Ursula, but I don't know that she should win. Scar enacts plans in which he doesn't care what the outcomes are. I mean, he is willing to kill his own brother for the throne. He's not fit to rule this pride. The pride's about to die because they're running out of food and the hunting practices are all wrong because he doesn't know how to lead them and he's he doesn't care. Like he's willing to kill an entire population of his people just to have power. And I think that's that's absolutely horrible. Ursula on the other hand is kind of like this witch who just who wants to see mayhem happen and while she does want to take over the the throne and wants to take over Triton's spot and she does for a slight second like she doesn't hold it for very long like Scar like takes over this pride land for years for essentially from when Simba's a kid until he's a full-grown adult like we can go at it head and assume 10 years and what she's just ruining life um, with, and he has no regard for it. He just doesn't care. He's everything's dead. The hyenas are taking over. Um, the, the pride is starving. And I think that while Ursula may seem more of like what you think of when you think of Disney villain, like you, Scar is still a Disney villain in every right. And you, and his character is super easily easy to digest as well. Like you see him plotting his song be prepared is one of the best villain songs that's ever been written he you can see that he killed his brother to then take the throne and then there's scenes in which you see the outcomes of that like it's super easy to digest you know exactly what he's going for you know exactly what he's trying to do and what he does he does well um and he like other people in in these brackets he has a fiery death and i think that's that's just the quintessential villainy so i think that in this bracket scar should be advancing over ursula kyle i'm gonna ask you kind of a blunt question here we go do you think ursula is supposed to represent a childhood fear of old people that's interesting i don't know that i ever thought about it that way but I can see how she adds to that, but I want to I want to hear more about that thought. Well, just the way that she's designed, she has kind of like the hip old lady haircut. Hip old lady. It's <laughs> almost like short and mohawky. She's pretty heavy set. She reminds me of like a scary librarian. She's shrill, she overdoes her makeup, and she's 
got wears black clothing and she lives in a dark lair and so i was thinking about it in between recording these episodes and i was like dang apologies to any librarians or elderly people <laughs> listening to this podcast but i kind of think the way that ursula's designed she's supposed to represent this weird fear of old people that a lot of little kids have um, <laughs> fear of scary old people that's really interesting to me um, and it makes her much more realistic than like a talking lion. I think that Ursula is definitely more powerful than Scar if we're talking about like the actual powers that they can perform. I think Scar's mental manipulation game is much better than Ursula's. Ursula essentially tricks Ariel into giving her her voice and it works simply because Ariel's kind of dumb. Right. And she's not thinking about all of the repercussions of her actions. Right. And Scar convinces Simba that he's responsible for Mufasa's death. And it's like, run away, run away, and never return. <laughs> and that's that's a good move, man. And that, yeah. like, that, there is definitely some validity to him saying that to Simba. He And another thing about him is he's persistent. You know, like, he was supposed to get rid of Simba early on in the movie using the hyenas, right? Like, the hyenas were supposed to kill him in the elephant yeah. graveyard. Yeah. Um, and they ended up just scaring him away. But even that didn't work. And so he enacts another plan in which is the big dramatic kill scene of Mufasa. And the the ability to adapt and be so persistent in getting what he wants is by any means necessary, which means killing his brother, um, I think that's even that's easy type to digest in the movie. Uh, it's completely evil. It's kind of it's it's scary because even as a kid, you know that Mufasa is his brother. And like even though they're lions, that's a relatable factor in itself. While Ursula is taking Ariel's voice and you're sitting there just like, yeah, that would be horrible, but that could never happen. Like, what? <laughs> it's you can be afraid of <clears throat> the local librarian, sure, but she's not going to take your voice, and you're you're pretty um, certain Kyle. That's have happen. you ever been to the library and been shushed by a librarian? She, she literally yeah. takes your voice. She does take your voice, I guess, but she's not putting it into a jar and and never giving it back. You walk out those doors and you have your voice back again. I'm starting to think that Disney. Somebody at Disney had a really bad run-in with a librarian, and that's their entire model for Ursula. <laughs> but anyways, I think that this family ties with Scar and Mufasa and being willing to kill his family, including a lion cub in Simba, which he didn't get to do, but it was definitely in his plans, makes him the more evil villain, and we should, we should move him on. I think Poor Unfortunate Souls is a better song and i think poor unfortunate souls is the best disney villains song but i agree and i am also advancing scar we have done it we've reached the ultimate final matchup here it is cruella Deville from 101 dalmatians versus scar from the lion king chris this is gonna be tough <laughs> so let's start off by talking about some of the things that these two have in common uh the number one thing that jumps off the page to me is that both of them utilize henchmen 
extremely effectively. Yes. Cruella has Horace and Jasper, and they're the ones that perform the initial puppy napping. Yep. And they actually do that with extreme efficiency and effectiveness. They do. They're better puppy nappers than they are uh, puppy babysitters. Yeah, they become progressively less effective as the (laughs) film goes on, which is unfortunate. But they do a pretty good job at the beginning. And sadly, they are also the ones that crash into Cruella's car and knock her off the road to end the final puppy chase scene. Right. So while they both utilize henchmen and hench hyenas, I think scars are probably a little bit more effective. And in fact, scars entire plan involves militarizing the what like bottom feeders of the pride. Right. Right. And I guess in the end, kind of both scar and Cruella's henchmen are the ones that end things for them. Horace and Jasper crash into Cruella's car and the hyenas eat Scar. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, we didn't talk about in the first episode, but that's something I really liked about Dr. Facilier was that he was consumed back into the underworld by his friends on the other side. And something very similar kind of happens to Scar there, where like the things that brought him to power are what ultimately seals his fate too so right right right. while both of these villains are foiled by their own henchmen scars is a little bit more poetic i think i think what makes this really close though is is that the way in which uh these two villains enact their plans is by getting close to those that they're about to betray and so cruella is a friend of anita's from home or from school i guess and, uh, and goes over to her house, and they all know her. And while um, Anita's husband isn't super fond of Cruella, like, it's just another girlfriend from school. And they let her into their home and see the puppies and, and all this stuff. Knowing, and she uses that trust to then kidnap these puppies. Um, Scar uses the trust that is just natural between family and he uses that to get close to Simba and Simba sees Scar as like an actual mentor and somebody to trust and Mufasa while he's a little wary of Scar like he still it's his brother like he doesn't think that Scar would ever be capable of anything uh, sinister and they both use those effectively to get what they want I think that Cruella essentially she gets what she wants but like I said earlier, her henchmen are just bad babysitters. <laughs> the The puppies escape um, through this underground railroad of of a of a scheme put into place by Pongo and Perdita. But I think what really like you think about a villain, and you think especially Disney villain, and I think that Scar is just so terrifying because not only does he look terrifying puts it gives lions a bad name to be honest poor lions we talked about this before with cruella like the scene of her crazy eyes as she's driving and just has no regard for life around her as she's trying to get these puppies back the scene where scar's coming out of the fire and he's he's leaping onto simba like 
that's another scene that just ingrains in my mind as like the face of evil and like the essence of evil is him supposed to have died in this in the fire like we think that simba pushes him into the flame and that's it but here he comes leaping out and it's that persistence that is just so terrifying he fails at killing simba the first time well his his henchmen do so he takes matters in his own own hands and kills mufasa to take the throne and makes everyone believe that simba's dead by telling him to run and never return he's in this fight with simba in which like he just isn't giving up, even though there's really nothing left to fight for. Um, his, the pride land's gone. It's just for his own pride, pun unintended. I think that this persistence and this evil and this caricature of evil is what makes Scar the winner of this entire bracket for me. Wow! So you're locking in Scar. I'm locking in Scar after after talking about this. I'm locking in Scar. So I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Be Prepared at all during this discussion. Right. Let's hop into it. It's, a, it's an okay song. It's not bad. It's good. It's, I think, musically better than Hellfire, but not as good as Poor Unfortunate Souls. I remember listening to this song as a child because my mom would put on a Lion King cassette as I was falling to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I would get so freaked out when Be Prepared would come on. <laughs> like, so, like so freaked out that I would make her change it. And that, you couldn't skip back then. You had to fast forward. <laughs> in addition to it being a good song and that it reveals a lot about Scar's character and Scar's intentions and his plan, musically, even as just a little kid not digesting the words or anything it's intense and it's very scary and the song Cruella de Vil even though it's not sung by her it's catchy Mm -hmm. which is why it's it's a radio hit in the 101 Dalmatians extended universe it's also meant to be a little bit playful like it's not as serious as Scar when he's saying like when he's essentially manipulating these hyenas to work for him by saying be prepared for a chance of a lifetime. Be prepared for sensational news. The shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. Like he's becoming this this dictator and promising this bright new future. While the song Cruella Deville is is Roger kind of like making fun of Cruella. Like it's very playful. It's very light. He's he's teasing uh, Anita about having this friend who is so kind of scary and and he's he's making the song that's like judging her and being playful more than being serious i think while scar is using his song as being like everyone listen up i promise you food i promise this bright new future um i'm gonna lead us there but we're gonna have to do that by uh talking kings and successions and we're gonna have to uh do a little something which is kill my brother in order f- to make this happen and uh, i think what really puts the the nail in the coffin <laughs> of cruella is that even though we've all had that kind of parents friend who is really scary and smells a little weird and and you are uneasy about i think that the scene in which simba realizes that mufasa is dead is what really uh, solidifies 
Scar as the greatest villain in Disney history because every child remembers that. Like you, you talk to anybody about the Lion King, and like the first thing that they bring up is how sad they get when they think about that scene where Simba's calling out to his dad. Like that wraps up how evil Scar is in a in a nutshell, right there. So I think we have our winner. <laughs> At the end of the day, Scar has as good of a song as Ursula. Yep. He has the incredible character design like Jafar. Sure does. He has the death that's as good as Dr. Facilier's. Absolutely. He has the humor of a Captain Hook at times, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And he is And he has the ability to manipulate like Frollo. Yeah, and the extremely twisted evil intentions of a Frollo. Scar is a complete villain in the same sense that Mulan is a complete hero. She had all of the traits of the hero's bracket wrapped up into one. And I feel that Scar, the same way, has all of those villain traits wrapped up into one. And so, Kyle, you want to make the announcement? The winner of our best Disney villain bracket is Scar... From the Lion King. Let's go ahead and clap that one out. I just have one thing to say. Here we go. Long live the king. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, we've done it again. We've gotten through another bracket. And this one was, I mean, we've only done two. But I have to say this one was my favorite so far. Oh, hands down my favorite. And now I'm just going to think about Mulan going 1v1 versus Scar. Oh, gosh. That would be epic. A, that's, that's a discussion for even another bracket for sure. That would be a super fun bracket. Speaking of brackets, we haven't picked our next one yet. So if you have any bracket suggestions, go ahead and tweet it at us at MouseMadnessPod. Go ahead and email your suggestions to MouseMadnessPodcast at gmail.com. Or send any comments or any questions to either one of those sources. We love reading emails. We haven't got a single one yet, so please be the first one to send one in. We look at your tweets. We love your tweets. We love your hot takes. Keep those coming. Feel free to print out your brackets at home on Twitter and follow along when we post them. We try and post them a few days before every episode. It's it's a great time. We really appreciate you guys listening. We have fun doing this. We hope that you have as much fun listening. And we will see you next time.